Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. Good Monday morning to everyone out there. Welcome back to the Michigan Wild Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Lake State Land Company. Whether you're looking to buy or sell uh, your little piece of heaven, uh, lakefront property, farming, agricultural, rural, you name it, um, the folks, the trusted folks at Lake State Land Company can help make that process simple and easy for you. Head over to lakestatelandco.com. All right, guys, today on the podcast, I am joined by Jameson Hibbs, and Jameson is the chapter coordinator for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, not only does Jameson oversee Michigan um, as, a, as a chapter, but also I believe it's Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, and West Virginia. I think I got that right. Uh, but yeah, so Jameson and I, get to talk a lot about BHA public lands um, and you know what kind of the the landscape of BHA looks for uh, looks like excuse me right now um, September is public lands month um, which we kind of talk about why we don't really quite understand why every month every day uh, public lands are not celebrated because it's such a vital and important part of many of ours, many of our journeys, uh, and what it is that we do in the outdoors, especially here in Michigan with so much public land, um, and so many, you know, hunters and recreationists that, that really utilize public lands. Um, so we could talk about that. Um, you know, what, um, you know, residents of Michigan here can do to, to get involved with BHA, um, how they can, you know, if there's, not necessarily meetings or anything like that um, in your area, what you can do where there's not cleanups that are kind of scheduled for your area, what you can do, who you can reach out to, um, to help, you know, kind of put some of those things together yourself. Um, you know, not only that, we get to also discuss, you know, really the, the wide variety of things that Michigan has to offer um, as an outdoor state. Uh, you know, it's, I, I think I've already mentioned this and just, the few short episodes that we've had here, but you know, Michigan gets, gets, Michigan gets slept on a lot in terms of kind of what there is to do in the outdoors, but you know, that I'd be hard pressed to find something that Michiganders cannot get into, um, hunting, fishing, backpacking, camping, you know, whatever the case is, right. There's, there's something for everyone out there. Um, and I think really for the most part, you can have uh, a lot of success, um, with kind of whatever your pursuit is here in Michigan. So, it, you know, all in all, it was a great conversation with Jameson. You can hear the the passion and enthusiasm that he has um, for our public lands and for the mission that, that BHA has. And it's, uh, it's certainly very refreshing, um, you know, at, coming out of a conversation like this and that, uh, that enthusiasm um, is certainly contagious. So episode number four with Jameson Hibbs. Enjoy everyone. Jameson, good morning. Welcome to the show. How hey, are you? Ah, good, oh, good, Marcus. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well. I know. Uh, it, well, it's uh, it's it's funny how sometimes, like with the podcasting uh, world, or or maybe it's just my experience that sometimes you you meet someone and there's the the expectation that you're going to sit down and record a podcast together and everything, and oftentimes like that takes weeks and or months uh, to get you know, schedules to align, all that stuff. I mean, you and I were introduced, I think literally a week ago today, uh, is when we first, um, spoke and we're able to put this together in short order. So I'm, uh, I'm glad to have you on, man. 
Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the invite. It was, yeah, definitely short notice, but I'm happy to certainly have the invite to come onto your podcast and have a good conversation with you. Yeah, definitely. And I know you're uh, you're headed out of town. Uh, I think what a couple days from now, you're heading uh, heading out uh, west for some hunting. Yeah, tomorrow night I'm heading out with a couple of friends to Wyoming. We have a general tag. Going to head out there, spend about a week, um, hopefully chasing some elk and some eagles around the mountains of southern Wyoming. I'm jealous, man. It seems like this, especially this time of year. I mean, those are you know hunts that I would love to to go on. I just uh, and I've talked about this on my other podcast, but. I just, with, with a couple of young kids, it's just hard right now. Um, you know, I think as, as they get a little bit older, my time will come. Um, and I'm okay with that, right? I've, I've come to peace with that after years of asking, uh, and years of being say, you know, being shut down essentially. Um, I, I'm okay with it, but especially this time of year, man, I'm always talking to people who are just getting ready to leave on hunts or they're just getting back from hunts. Um, I was just had a guy on yesterday, uh, who, uh, recently got back from a caribou hunt out in alaska and yeah he was just giving me fomo like you wouldn't believe telling me the stories about when he was out there oh yeah yeah i love listening to those stories i'm pretty lucky i have a really understanding wife her uh, her grandpa took annual pilgrimages out to colorado with his mules to to elk hunt every year so i I told her when we got together um this is something i wanted to do i I didn't really have a chance to do it until like 2018 um and it's more of an every other year thing for me now um, so yeah, hopefully I'll be able to continue to make those ventures out West, uh, in the future too. Yeah. And my wife, especially, you know, like whitetail hunting here in Michigan, like she's certainly very understanding and she knows like come October, there's going to be a lot of weekends where she's, you know, home by herself and stuff like that. Um, and when we got together, she knew I hunted and I didn't hunt as much. And I think just as you get older, right, you, you really kind of lean into those things that you like, you're, you become a lot more deliberate with your free time. Uh, and the things that uh, yeah. you like to do, and this has been, you know, hunting and, and fishing have been those things for me. And when I kind of first approached the subject, it was like, well, you're going to be gone for what, 10, 12 days <laughs> with no, uh-huh. you know, potentially with no, uh, no service, no communication or anything like that. And yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it could, yeah, you definitely have to have that peace of mind, <laughs> especially leaving your wife and of course, it's one of those, you know, our daughter, she's only eight, and I want to make sure I have my, uh, my honey-do list complete and then maybe work a little bit ahead of that um, so that we can, I can actually get away. And, you know, today's actually our anniversary, so we have a pretty good day planned today as well, at least later on this afternoon to spend some good time together before we take off tomorrow. Oh, there you go. Yeah, my, it's funny, my anniversary is actually a week from today. So uh-huh. I, uh, I didn't have the foresight to not get married in, you know, middle of September. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. yeah, you know, that's yeah. shoot almost nine years ago. Um, yeah. so, but, <laughs> we, uh, yeah. this is our 13th and, and we had the great idea. We wanted to have a destination wedding. So we actually went to Estes park, Colorado. Oh, nice. So we could hear the Yelp eagle. And I'm thinking, you know, this is great. And now here it is a few years later, like, Hmm, you know, that was, you know, I'm still, still a great month to get married in, but like it's right in the smack dab in the middle of elk season. And it's kind of that running joke among a lot of hunters where you got married in elk season. Like, yeah. But I didn't get married in October, which was deer season in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's exactly it. And it's like, yeah, uh, honey, I'm going to go celebrate our anniversary uh, back where we got married. But I'm going to go by myself. I'll see you in 10 days. <laughs> yeah, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Jameson, before we kind of get into some of the stuff I want to talk about, I know you just had your rendezvous in Indiana uh, this past week. I know it's not Michigan, but we're going to we're going to talk about it anyway. How did that go for you guys? Oh, man, it was great. So, you know, the Indiana chapter, they uh, they came together. We started the Indiana Rendezvous just last year. And it's, you know, the statewide rendezvous are an opportunity to have those statewide you know, functions, events, you know, invite everybody out, have like an overnight, couple overnight, you know, overnight with everybody, you know, kind of have that camaraderie, great conversation, maybe have some guest speakers, um, you know, some fun games and activities for the attendees and for the kids. Um, and so, you know, that that event was, was really well placed. Um, it was at the Glendale Fish and Wildlife Area, kind of in southern Indiana. And it, uh, we had about 27, 28 people show up, a handful of kids. We were able to get the local parks department to come down and do uh, do some kids' activities during the daytime on Saturday while we had the DNR deer biologist Joe Caldwell and then the DNR, our free coordinator, Cindy Stites, come out and give excellent presentations over uh, their efforts with DNR and what they're doing throughout the state of Indiana. So it was it was a very good event. We had a little archery competition. We had a, a, two people attend or uh, participate in a wild game cook-off. 
we had, uh, had some really cool uh, cool recipes they presented to everybody. Then we uh, kind of presented a uh, or hosted a little dinner for everybody Saturday evening. Talked about some policy efforts in Indiana. Talked about some fundraising, some you know, events coming up. So it's it's one of those you know, the state chapter rendezvous are, are great times. It's really invigorating to walk away from that. You have a great energy to walk away from. Everyone feels kind of empowered, so to speak, to kind of go out, and especially in September as a public lands month kind of go out and really keep you know fighting for our public lands and waters yeah no that's uh those kind of weekends um you kind of touched on it there but they're always like invigorating right they're always um it it kind of recharges the batteries uh when you get together because a lot of times you know especially with like a statewide rendezvous right where people are kind of coming in from from all corners of the state and you know a lot of times there's familiar faces or there's unfamiliar faces but you get to meet a lot of like-minded people and just to to share that passion you know for for public lands and for the outdoors and to do all that um yeah those are those are the weekends that i think a lot of people need in order to just kind of stay motivated through the rest of the year and and really get charged up for the following spring oh man absolutely it it certainly helped me out last year i was the indiana chapter chair so i mean it was one of those i walked away from that thinking wow this is this is amazing i i knew i joined bha for a lot of great reasons but whenever we actually come together as like you said a lot of different individuals and people i've never met before come together with like-minded you know um conservation mindsets and and all speak our minds and talk about conservation and have a puppet lands pack out that day i mean it was it was just a great great way to to spend a weekend yeah. So Jameson for, I mean, I, I'll, I'll certainly talk about it in the introduction of the episode uh, as far as what your role is, but tell the listeners what your role is with BHA and, and kind of what you're responsible for. Yeah, absolutely. So I am the uh, a chapter coordinator, one amongst many, um, one of the newest chapter coordinators, and I'm over five different states. So I'm over Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, and West Virginia. Um, and what that what that entails as a chapter coordinator is, you know, each individual state has their own chapter. Each individual state has their own chapter board, which might consist of anywhere from, you know, seven to 13, 14 members with their own exec- executive committee. And and what every state chapter tries to do is is obviously get out and really, you know, fight for their state public lands and waters, access, conservation, sound habitat. And they do that through a variety of different methods of you know, stewardship projects with partnering with DNR and maybe the U.S. Forest Service or some local parks departments. We'll have a lot of fundraising events um, so we can have to actually raise money then to obviously put that money towards those conservation efforts. Then we do a lot of fun stuff. You know, BHA is kind of known for pint nights, um, yeah. which was really going well until, you know, before COVID kind of shut that down. But they're really starting to bounce back. And what pint nights are is just kind of that that friendly method of everyone getting together for a social event, you know, talking about BHA, talking about what's coming up, maybe having a public speaker or a presenter at that event. Um, and then just giving everyone a chance to meet at a local establishment somewhere, which supports your local, you know, local tourism as well, because it does bring people in um, and, and, and kind of just setting the stage for those groups of people to kind of, once again, even those small little events invigorate people and everything come together and then to kind of take that mission forward. So, I help each chapter develop which eat with each one of those um, if they have any questions about events or how to run the events, kind of hold, you know, each other accountable about, you know, the event process, um, the fundraising process. You know, we're going through the uh, the application process of trying to get raffle licenses for a couple of states and every state's a little bit different there. But once we can get those raffle licenses, it gives us an opportunity to kind of get some really good product from a lot of our national sponsors or our state sponsors. Um, and then we can utilize those those raffle items to, you know, increase our funds. And then once again, throw that money right back into conservation. So, you know, my, my role is to help each one of these chapters out with just development, um, you know, staying on track, staying on the mission and really having a lot of fun in the outdoors. Yeah. So, I mean, that covering five States, I mean, one, that's a, a super big territory, uh, especially, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. this, this great lakes ish region. Uh, I know you have more, more Southern, but you certainly cover Michigan here, which is obviously surrounded by Great Lakes. How, how hard is it to, to kind of juggle or to manage all of the different chapters? Because how many chapters does Michigan have here? Oh, so every state just has the one chapter, okay, okay. Um, which makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, every chapter is pretty, pretty involved, um, especially some, all the states that I have are relatively young. Uh, the Michigan chapter, I think they they were the force were formed out of my five, and, and they're a very active chapter. And obviously, you guys have a lot of public lands up there. 
So they're they're very well spread out. Um, but it's, it's it takes a lot of a lot of juggling. Um, but I came from a background of running parks and rec departments, and you know my last my last department especially was a, a large campground. We had a lot of events, and it was it was camping, man. So it was it was full on for nine months of the year. And so it's I've always made my jobs have always been luckily for me more of a lifestyle. Um, so I have no problem kind of you know juggling a lot of different you know fires at the same time. Um, and staying, you know, staying on track, which I, I enjoy that. Um, it takes a little bit of, you know, time management and organization and, and obviously a lot of onboard trading coming on to BHA. I've only been the chapter coordinator since March 14th, so I'm a relatively new, you know, BHA staffer. Um, but I've certainly jumped in, you know, swinging and, and I've, and I've loved every bit of it. Yeah. Whenever I think of, uh, well, you, when you mentioned your, your previous job, there is, uh, working for parks and rec, like obviously I always think about the show and I, obviously you were just in Indiana last <laughs> yeah. weekend. Like it's yeah, just exactly. all the pieces kind of fit together. And I wondered how many of those jokes you used to get when you were in that position. Oh man, I, I've had, uh, I you know I've only watched the show one time, one episode and it, it's, it's pretty funny cause it actually does ring somewhat true for a lot of parks departments, <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, I'd always attend like the Indiana Parks and Rec Association conferences, and a lot of our themes were based around the Parks and Recreation show. So, I mean, it's, it's all about having fun. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it rings pretty true. A lot yeah. of those jokes come up. So, Jameson, what was it that, that drew you to BHA and kind of pulled you away from the Parks Department that you were working with? That's a good question. So, I, you know, I, I grew up in Indiana, and... You know, Indiana has 3% of public lands, and the majority of those are down south. And, and where I grew up at, there was hardly any, except for your small local parks, where you went fishing at. And I never really understood the idea of, of public lands until, you know, in college, I actually majored in parks and recreation, sport management, emphasized in outdoor rec. And then I got to really kind of slowly understand and integrate into public land usage as far as backpacking and, and fishing um, a little bit more in some of our bigger lands in southern Indiana, maybe in Kentucky. Um, and then I, I went out and worked um, at a ranch in Wyoming for a small time, southern Wyoming, um, and, and I got to really understand public lands out and how important they are to public access for hunting and fishing and recreation especially. So whenever I ended up back in Indiana, I, I luckily found a job in, in, my, in my field of parks and recreation, um, and then I was managing public lands then. Um, I, it was Rockville Lake was where I started off at, small little park, small little 100-acre lake, but an astounding little fishery. And so I kind of got my feet wet, no pun intended, about how to really, especially with, uh, with water quality issues and how important fishing access is and how important it is for access for people of all abilities to be able to go out and recreate. And, and as I grew into that position and then tra transferred down to West Boggs Park, which is where I left to join BHA, and West Boggs Park is a 1,600-acre facility, a 600-acre lake, and a very big regional destination for southern Indiana, I, I really started to understand the public access component of, of recreation, um, especially public waters. And then I'm also down there at that point, I'm closer to a lot of our public lands. So I heard about BHA, obviously through a, a variety of different podcasts and a good buddy of mine, um, he was asked to join the BHA or the Indiana chapter. And he kind of really turned me on to it. And then ever since then, I'm like, man, I, I, I mean, I was a member and I was just waiting, just waiting for that invitation to join the Indiana board. And finally it came I'm like, yes, this is going to be fun. <laughs> And so, I mean, I, and I'm kind of a, I'm a real go-getter. I, I like to be very, and once I decide to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, and so I, I really helped the Indiana chapter out. Um, actually, we worked really well as a team. Um, we got a lot of events started, got a lot of, you know, product donations and, and a lot of state sponsors throughout the, I was the chapter vice chair than the chapter chair. And so I really got kind of involved or I guess just dove into the whole BHA mission uh, of public land advocacy, and I, I just kind of ran with it from there. So once the chapter coordinator position became open, you know, my wife and I were discussing the idea of, of, of applying for it. Uh, long story short, ended up applying um, and accepted the offer. And so I was like, oh, well, this is awesome. So now I'm diving into it. So we had a choice then. We actually didn't have a choice. We had to move. So we uh, were living there in Indiana at that point. Um, our, obviously, our first choice, or my first choice, was moving to Michigan. Uh, because I, I've been, I only been up there once up until a couple of weeks ago to fish the Betsy River for a salmon run, and that was an absolute blast. Oh yeah! But there's so much great opportunity up there in Michigan for for outdoor pursuits, for you know, hunting and fishing, especially. 
but my only concern was, you know, my five states being where I would be at, I'd be so far from Kentucky and so far from Ohio, or like Southeast Ohio, and especially West Virginia, that we decided to kind of look around the Lexington, Kentucky area, which is more centralized to my five states. So we ended up moving down here a little east of Lexington and happy where we're at, beautiful place, just up the road from Red River Gorge. So I get to go out and really kind of uh, explore a lot more new public lands down here in the Daniel Boone National Forest and a lot of the WMAs in, in Kentucky. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. You're you're right though, the the opportunity that Michigan presents to to hunters and anglers, you know, just outdoor recreationists in general. Um, people sleep on Michigan a lot. And I, I don't know why mm-hmm. that is. Maybe, you know, some people kind of uh, focus a little bit on, you know, whatever maybe their pursuit is. So maybe they're just, you know, big whitetail hunters, right? So Michigan is way down the list of kind of destination states um, in, in terms of whitetail hunting. Although, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, really good deer, a lot of good bucks are, are killed in Michigan every year. Um, oh, yeah. The the full range, I guess, like, you know, the, the full calendar year of things that you can get into, ice, ice fishing, trout fishing, turkey hunting, you know, whitetail hunting, salmon fishing. I mean, upland bird hunting, duck hunting. I mean, gosh, there's, there's no shortage of things to do if you just, if you just look in the right places and yeah, a ton of, ton of public land here in Michigan too. So it it makes it much more accessible for everyone as well. Oh, absolutely. It, you know, growing up and I grew up in Terre Haute, kind of that West central part of Indiana or I guess West, yeah, West central part. And and I didn't grow up in an outdoor oriented family at all. I kind of got into a lot of different friends and just, I was lucky enough to be in a rural neighborhood and right next to our house was a big little block of woods. And that was my home over there in that woods. But, you know, the idea of never heard of people going to Michigan on these excursions, it was like, Ooh, wow, you are Michigan, like this far <laughs> off enchanting place. And, and I, and it was, it really, and I feel like it was that way for a lot of people in the Midwest, you know, obviously not in Michigan, but whenever somebody does make that pursuit in Michigan, it was always almost like it was talked about with like, like that, in that whisper, Oh, going to Michigan. Like that's, that's awesome. It sounds like a great adventure. I can't wait to get there one day. <laughs> so yeah, Michigan, it, like you said, it's kind of a sleeper in the whitetail world, but it definitely has a diverse, a very diverse uh, opportunities for, for outdoor pursuits up there. Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I, I, sometimes I hate to, to reference, <clears throat> excuse me, reference my other podcast, but that's just where I have, you know, a ton of experience talking to people. And there's a guy who, um, he grew up in West Virginia. I think he's actually, if I recall, he's in Virginia now. But uh, yeah, he and his buddies take a trip to Michigan every year to to do some upland bird hunting. I was like, really? You guys uh-huh. come to you guys come all the way to Michigan? He's like, oh man. He's like, you know, the amount of birds that we moved and everything uh, on their first or second trip here. He's like, we'll we'll come back every year, every fall. Um, they'll oh, come here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and they're they're yeah. kind of up in um, you know like Northwest Lower Michigan, uh, up in that area. But no, I was just like, that's that's awesome that you decided to to come to Michigan with your, you know, your out-of-state bird hunt. I think that's super cool. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's one of those things, especially for a lot of Indiana guys now, you know, the southern part of Indiana used to host a lot of grouse that they've used from habitat, you know, loss and wildlife displacement. A lot of those grouse, the majority of those grouse are gone. So we haven't had a grouse season in Indiana in a number of years. So a lot of those guys, those individuals do come up to Michigan now to, to have that pursuit. Yeah. So, Jameson, for... You know, I I'd like to think that, you know, most or all that are listening to the podcast are are familiar in some way, shape, or form with BHA backcountry hunters and anglers. But if you could give me kind of a, a little thirty thousand foot view of BHA's mission and what it you know why they were formed uh, and really what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you know, BHA has been around since uh, since. Like 2004, it was kind of uh, commenced around a campfire in Oregon. And the whole premise behind that was, you know, there really wasn't an organization out there that really centered around public land access. I mean, we have a lot of outstanding conservation organizations out there. And BHA partners with with the vast majority of them for a lot of different, a lot of different feats and conservation. Um, But the idea behind, you know, back BHA is to kind of ensure, you know, North America's outdoor heritage of hunting and fishing in like a natural setting. And then, of course, we do you know, that through education um, to kind of, you know, on the behalf of public lands, waters, and wildlife. Um, so, like I said earlier, you know, a lot of our, our stewardship events, what we try to do is really focus on getting people outside and getting people adequate access. So, whether that be through policy work, 
Um, it might be some stuff that we, you know, in our state legislation, if, if they're trying to add or maybe possibly take away any sort of public land access, we might, you know, step in and, and chime in and, and, and entice our members to take action with their local legislation um, or state representatives um, from state level all the way up to national level. And, and there's some great, you know, policy work going on even right now nationally and, and locally in all of our states. Um, so BHA definitely has, and, and we obviously really rely on our local chapters, our state chapters, to keep a close eye on what's happening locally while we have some great individuals in, in our BHA headquarters um, or higher up that uh, kind of watch a lot of those, those national policy efforts. And then, of course, you know, we do a lot of, we want to do a lot of habitat restoration work. So, you know, obviously, just like Michigan, and especially in the Midwest and around really the entire country, we have a lot of invasive species issues, whether it be terrestrial or, or, um, or vegetation. And so it's, it's very important that we go out and we partner and we understand what it takes to have sound wildlife habitat because you know, we're fighting for public land access and water access, but you get there and the habitat is in disarray and you don't have, you know, a really great opportunity or a great experience. It's hard to keep people active with that or interactive with it. And then could really kind of go in hand of why we have, you know, decreasing amount of hunters and anglers across the country is because of lack of habitat for good wildlife. So it, it kind of all rolls hand in hand and it all kind of circles back to one another. Um, you know, BHA is, is, is a very fast growing conservation organization. Of course, everybody took a little bit of a, a downward turn after COVID, but we're certainly bouncing back. Uh, a little over 30,000 members nationally. I think uh, Michigan has just over 750 members now. Um, so Michigan's one of the larger chapters in our, in our region, especially in the Midwest. And, and with continued efforts and advocacy, we're definitely going to keep growing those numbers. Uh, and it's not just about numbers. It's about the fact that the more people we have within our chapters and within BHA, it just gives us more of an opportunity to go out there and do this great conservation work around, around our states and around this nation. Yeah, I mean, that's it's funny how you, you when you were talking about kind of the the totality or the different kind of branches or arms of BHA in terms of what they're involved in, whether it's, uh, you know, policy, habitat, um, you know, things like that. I mean, kind of, or, you know, you tie in even like the R3 um, initiative. Uh -huh. And that is almost like you see, you mentioned that like all of those things kind of affect the other, right? They're all kind of tied together. It's all kind of this big spider web, but it's also, that's kind of the way habitat is in general, right? One thing affects right. another, affects another, affects another. So when you're able to, you know, in, in your example, produce or, or work on like some habitat, habitat improvement, if it's going to be, you know, good for the deer, it's going to be good for the turkeys. It's going to be good for the, you know, the upland birds, it's going to be good for the pollinators. Like all these things are, are so tied together organizations that are looking out for, for habitat, for wildlife. I mean, those are, just as um, intertwined as the habitats that they're trying to save. And I, I just kind of made that, that parallel as you were kind of talking about, I'm like, uh -huh. man, that's, that's very similar to what we're actually trying to do out there with our public lands and with our, our, our habitat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like you, you hit the nail on the head there with like your pollinator patches. I mean, you know, a lot of people out there advocate a lot for your certain critter specific food plots, which are, which are great. They do work out. Um, but at the same time, if you put more of your natural setting in your natural pollinator patches, I mean, that starts from the ground up. That's then your seeds for your birds and your insects. And that's just the bottom of the food chain and it works its way right up to everything that we like to pursue as, 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 as conservationists. So I think, you know, it's, it's good to have a diverse, you know, segment of, of the idea of what we're going to do out there in our lands, especially public lands. Um, the more we can kind of get rid of a lot of these nasty invasives and replace those with a lot of our in, indigenous species, the better off we're definitely going to be. And, and I'm glad you brought up the R3 effort. You know, one thing has certainly really taken off with is the R3 initiative. Um, we have a, 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 our coordinator, his name's Trey Curris, who's been traveling around the country the past uh, several months now doing a lot of good events in some, in some of our big cities um, to really kind of captivate people to bring them into the idea of, of hunting and fishing and conservation and how to procure their own you know, sustainable food source out there. Then how if you're going to have that sustainable food source, how do you keep the, those, those animals on the landscape through obviously sound habitat and conservation. Um, so that's, that's the, the R3 effort is definitely starting to take off. I know it's been around for a number of years and every state has their R3 coordinators. Um, but as a lot of these big conservation organizations really start, you know, 
actively really ramping up the archery effort, I, I think we're really going to see a, a big increase. Hopefully, we'll see a big increase in a lot of our hunter uh, fishing angler uh, numbers going up. Yeah, and it seems like, and you know, I I don't know the specifics obviously because I'm not kind of in the inner workings of of any conservation organization specifically, but there was obviously a big push and a big kind of change in the way people view the outdoors uh, during COVID, during the pandemic, because that was kind of the only place people could go, right? I mean, they couldn't do the the things that maybe they were normally doing or go to the places they were normally going. So the out, you know, getting outdoors, getting outside was kind of the, the only option. And, you know, for some, it was a chance to kind of rekindle, um, you know, maybe a love for the outdoors that they had when they were younger or for, you know, others, it was a chance to really, um, you know, learn and explore the outdoors for the first time, which is, which is incredible. Uh Have you guys noticed at least maybe, and it may be, you know, you might not have been um, in this position long enough to really, to really kind of have a a full picture of it, but have you guys noticed that same thing, even though, um, you know, maybe numbers took hit, maybe it was a lot of um, new members as opposed to people just re-upping over the past couple of years? Um, Really, you know, COVID, unfortunately, it, it kind of took a downward turn for a lot of organizations and membership. We, we, did, we, we lost a little bit of members there. Um, and I think a lot of that was the unknown, um, you know, what's happening. COVID's hit, you know, it, nobody really knew what to expect. And then suddenly we have, you know, a lot of inflation happening right now. So a lot of, you know, discretionary income has kind of, has kind of decreased for a lot of folks. Uh, and so some of the people obviously may have let um, some of their memberships lapse. But now that we're kind of coming out of that whole mindset of COVID and the shutdown, I think we, we have actually started seeing a bit of an upward turn in, in our membership base, and especially in some of our states. And it, it's slowly getting up there. But I, I think, you know, like you just said a minute ago, and I can certainly speak on that on behalf of, of outdoor recreation, is, you know, we saw a huge increase of outdoor recreational users. Um, camping industry alone was up by about 1,000%. Um, and, and I can vouch for that by seeing the campground completely full. Every week was like a holiday weekend. But, you know, we did have, you know, a huge increase in, in hunting and fishing licenses sold in 2020 and 2021. Um, and hopefully again this year as well, um, because people did, they had, they had limited opportunity to get outside and use their, their leisure time and what better way than going outside. And I think people reconnected with the outdoors, um, during 2020, especially in 2021. Um, I think the whole movement right now of trends going towards, you know, healthy, sustainable living, as far as your, your food consumption, is a great one for us to kind of utilize and play on and, and, and advocate for. And I think as people, as that shift's kind of changed, a dynamic change about healthy living because of COVID and what it brought up, I think we can really play on that through our R3 efforts and our stewardships and, and all of the efforts through our conservation orgs and, and increase those numbers. Yeah, um, no, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to cut no, you no, off there. All right. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, living a healthier lifestyle has certainly become, um, a bit more front of mind for people, right? Whether, you know, they, I I don't know. I think it just opened a lot of eyes, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, and you know, any, anytime you're going to pursue a healthier lifestyle and you're going to use the, the outdoors and, you know, sustain, you know, harvesting, you know, your own meat and, and really understanding where it came from, uh, I'm all, I'm certainly all for it. Right. But, you know, you just, you want to make sure that, people who are, are kind of just starting to dip their toe into that field with, you know, um, sustainable, um, mm-hmm. you know, harvesting of your own meat and, and your own game and everything that they understand the effects that that has on the landscape yeah. and how they can, you know, mitigate that as much as possible. Um, just through, you know, like leave no trace, you know, out there, uh, you know, leaving things better than you found. I mean, just having a, a, a real total picture uh, as far as, you know, what hunting and taking from the land means. No, absolutely. And, and that's a great point. And that's something I think a lot of our state and national agencies did not expect or know how to handle in the beginning, especially in 2020 when, you know, trailheads were being closed because too much impact was happening, too much erosion was going on, too much trash was left in the ground. And, and, and I think it's one of those as people start reconnecting with, uh, with, uh, with nature and our outdoor recreational uh, opportunities, it is up to people like ourselves to really advocate, hey, this is what we're doing out there. This is why you have these lands. This is why these, these animals and these fish and this habitat is theirs because of, of work of the hunters, hunters and anglers through Pittman Robson and Dingle Johnson Act. You know, I taught hunter safety class in Indiana for a handful of years, and, and I always ask the question, who knows what Pittman Robinson is? And, and I very, very seldom had somebody raise their hand. I'm like, man, 
I'm glad I have a captive audience right now because this is what it is and this is what it does and this is how important it is for you and your children and your children's children for future generations to have these same pursuits and opportunities that we have right now. So I think, you know, these new people coming out, it's very important, especially in our R3 efforts, to definitely educate them on conservation, what it is, why it is, and how they can certainly help. And I, and I know through a lot of the programming that Trey Curtis has done through R3, that is the biggest part of it. And even Cindy Seitz touched on this, the Indiana Rendezvous. We're not trying to create hunters and anglers. We're trying to create conservationists. Right. And that's the whole key right there, getting them to understand what conservation really is and how they can impact it and how they can help. Um, so I think I think you're you're definitely you're definitely what you said right there was was a definitely a great topic for people to continue to talk about. Yeah, just uh, just con- continuing to to move the needle and to continue to have those conversations, I think is is the least that we can do to to you know try to you know I repeating myself here, but move that needle forward, move that needle in the right direction and to, to create, you know, conservationists in the process of, you know, new hunters, or even you're someone who's been hunting for, you know, 20 years, right. But trying to, you know, maybe if, if they're not looking at it from a conservationist mindset, um, you know, shifting the, the way they view, um, you know, hunting as a whole. And I think those are, those are, are certainly important because, you know, there's, there's probably someone watching them and seeing what they do and how they go about doing things when they're on the landscape that, um, is going to have an effect, you know, long after we're gone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, the, the conservation aspect is really starting to be, uh, the education's growing there. Now, where I grew up, like I said, my, my parents and my family didn't hunt, but a lot of my friends that got me into it, their, their parents, we didn't talk about conservation. We just talked, Hey, it's deer season. And that yeah. was about it. Or, hey, it's squirrel yep. season. It's rabbit season. It's hunting season. Let's go out and hunt. But what the impact there was or why those animals were there, I had not learned for a long time. And I'm so glad I've gone down that rabbit hole and kind of jumped into this lifestyle um, because it's, it, I can't think of anything really in my mind or my lifestyle and, and what I want to see happening more important than, than our natural world and conservation. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree, Jameson. So, we're obviously smack dab in the middle of September here, which is public lands month. Tell me about what hey, you B- got it. I did. I really like slowed myself <laughs> down there because I knew it was going to come off. So tell me what it is that BHA is doing to kind of celebrate public lands month and you know, how, how you guys are utilizing that or, or spreading the message about public lands month. So public lands month. I mean, it all started really with public lands day, which is I think, always the fourth Saturday of September this year, it's Saturday, of, you know, September 24th. And then, you know, we kind of instituted public lands month because why stop with just one day and you can make the entire month about public lands. And should be the entire year. So it should be the entire year. You are <laughs> correct. <laughs> that is correct. So here we are in the middle of public lands month and, and BHA has rolled out a lot of cool stuff. You know, we, every week we have something different going on, you know, this week we call it public access week and, and you'll see a lot of different emails and stuff going out on our social feeds about, you know, like the corner cross corner crossings, um, in, or, or policy that's going on in Wyoming or like the stream access issues that are going on in several different States out West. Um, so you'll, and a lot of the guy, I think next week we go into habitat, um, so there's a lot of great things that's coming out there, a lot of good content from BHA. We've also rolled out uh, kind of a membership drive to kind of help, you know, commensurate. Um, I think that's a word. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> to kind of help, you know, drive membership towards BHA. Um, so during se- the month of September, if you sign up or renew, you do receive a really awesome B- or, uh, Gerber Dowwind knife with a laser engraving of the BHA logo on the blade. Um, so that's really, really sweet. And then uh, something I was able to pull off with my five states, Michigan included, was any Michigan resident that uh, that renews or renews their membership um, gets that knife. And then they're also entered in to win a $250 gift card, one of our national sponsors, which is Walton's Processing. So that's a cool another little incentive. But you know, Public Lands Day on September 24th is what a lot of states are kind of advocating for, having a lot of their, I think it's one of the biggest volunteer outdoor days in, in the nation. And so a lot of states are really kind of having public land, you know, pack out days on September the 24th with some of their public land. So, you know, BHA, you know, this month being expected to see, you know, several emails coming out, um, check your spam folder. I mean, I work for BHA and sometimes they end up in that spam folder, but I've always, even before I started working for them, I always looked for those emails. So I've, I've wanted to see them because there's the great content that I wanted to know more about and then obviously share um, to all my friends and family. So, 
you know, be watching for those emails so that you know what's going on around you, what you can do, how you can help, um, and how you can obviously join and, and, and be part of BHA's family. Yeah. So is there anything that you know of, uh, I guess that we can talk about now before maybe emails come out or maybe some emails have already gone out, but what you can do in Michigan to kind of get involved, um, especially with like public land day. So I'm, Unfortunately, in Michigan, we don't have anything planned on the 24th. You know, they just came off their rendezvous. So, you know, the Michigan had their, their statewide rendezvous two, three weeks ago now. And it's the first time they got able to have the rendezvous since 2019 because of COVID. So, you know, they, they put a lot of force and a lot of time and effort into that event. And, and we haven't had a chance to really plan anything for September 24th yet. But that doesn't stop anyone from being able to go out and do their stuff. Um, I, 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 every time I go hiking anywhere, I'm carrying a sack, a trash bag with me, and I pick up you know, trash nonstop while I'm hiking. Um, so every, like you said a minute ago, every, every day, every month should be public land day. Um, but if, if you want to make an effort yourself or you and your family, you and your friends go out even while you're hunting or fishing, you know, make, make sure on September the 24th you take an extra trash bag with you and just leave it a lot better than you found it. Just like you mentioned ago, the initiative will leave no trace. Um, we always leave it better than you found it. Um, so if anyone can go out, you know, you can talk to your local parks department, see if they have anything going on, talk to, uh, you know, if maybe some of the, uh, the Michigan state facilities have something happening that day. Um, I would invite everyone to at least take a moment to kind of research what may be happening within their vicinity, where they're willing to travel to and, and take part in the event that day to make our public lands better. Yeah, no, it's a great piece of advice, especially the bringing a trash bag with you anytime you're going to hit a trailhead or you're going out on the lake and you're at the boat launch and people tend to get pretty lazy and careless at boat launches, um, and things like that. (laughs) No, I think that's, you know, not only for September, but I think every time you go out, you go out, you should certainly have something, um, you know, that you can pick up some, some trash with. So I tell you what, working in the parks for so long in the campground, I got really good at those little trash grabbers, um, to the point where I could drive by in a golf cart and pick up a, you know, a a beer tab without even stopping. That's impressive. (laughs) That's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it was a competition amongst a lot of our staff <laughs> oh, i like it i like it especially to see yeah, how fast you can go on the golf cart while doing it not just <laughs> yeah, like rolling right. <laughs> slowly by it like no 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 no. Uh-huh. foot on foot down <laughs> pedal down let's do this so for <clears throat> jameson for michigan residents um that that really want to i guess maybe take the next step in their in their public land conservation journey how can they get involved here in michigan um you know what can they expect as a member of the michigan chapter of bha yeah great question so you know the, the best thing you can do to get involved is you can look up the, the michigan bha chapter on two different social feeds You're, they're on instagram they're active on instagram and on facebook um you can look up backcountryhuntersandanglers.org on, on the on, on your browser and pull up you know the bha website and then I'll, you'll see a tab at the top that says chapters. Click on chapters, scroll down. You'll see Michigan. Click on Michigan. Then on Michigan, you'll have several different tabs to talk about issues and news and events and about the board. And, and if anyone knows, obviously, any of the board members, by all means, or reach out to them, talk to those individuals. They'll be more than happy to just discuss what you can do to, to kind of get involved. I know with, uh, you know with the chapter up there, we do, actually right now we have a few vacancies on the board. Um, so people that are, are currently members or if they're looking to be involved with an awesome or, uh, yeah, an awesome conservation organization, by all means, reach out to us. Um, yeah, we, we are looking to kind of broadcast our efforts around the entire state. But, you know, we can't cover every single corner of the state unless we have volunteers and members in those particular areas. So if it's stuff where people want to see public land events in their vicinity – or if they want to host a pint night or host a cleanup day on one of the local rivers or the, one of the public access points, we are more than happy to, to bring those folks in and help them set up events um, on their favorite, you know, favorite public land access areas. So just basically just reaching out and finding us um, through, through social different, different social channels and on the BHA website was what I would recommend. Yeah. And you know what I found, I mean, first off, shout out to Brian Chaika for, for, introducing you and I, um, he's obviously yeah, a, yeah. a board member here in Michigan, uh-huh. but, uh, I've, I've had the chance to know Brian a little bit over the past couple of years. And, uh, he's obviously a, a great representation of, you know, a Michigan, um, outdoorsman recreationist with, you know, whatever label you kind of want to put on it, but the work that, yeah. that he does, um, you know, even just on his own time, 
um, is absolutely. Brian's an awesome dude. I I really enjoyed talking to Brian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to make sure to to give credit where credit is due with Brian there. But <laughs> you know, I, I've I've certainly attended a couple like pint nights and things like that here in Michigan uh, through BHA, nice. and you know, it's it's amazing the 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 relationships and kind of the bonds that you can make with people who you know you've just met. 20 minutes ago, um, just because of the, the like, not like-minded nature, uh, of everyone there. And I think that's kind of the, the beauty of the outdoors, uh, as a whole is how people from all walks of life can share one common interest, but that can be that, that common interest can be so powerful. It can, you know, really bond you, uh, in a way that, you know, some other things can't like, Oh, you, you both like football or you both like hockey or something like that. Like, that's great. But Right. You know, hockey season, football season, like what, you know, pick a, an activity. I mean, those are, you know, three, four months out of the year. The outdoors is year round and it's something that everyone can get behind and it's something that everyone can participate in. And I, I, I just love to see what, you know, things like a pint night, what uh, organizations like BHA have been able to do for the outdoor community and really in just kind of observing a a lot of the younger generation, the next wave of conservationists, you would call it like a new school uh, of conservation that they've been able to kind of recruit and retain and to have, you know, them get involved and have their voices heard. You touched on it a while ago and I forgot to mention it, but like, you know, when there's, you know, something from a policy standpoint um, and we want, you know, BHA wants to, you know, let their, their members, um, their voices be heard. And they've made it so incredibly easy to to voice their opinion and i think that those are things that you know people like to do well i mean we this day and age we know people like to hear have their voices heard right but oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) in this particular instance when it comes to to policy uh you know where you know maybe states or organizations are trying to to sell off you know public land or or something like that or or lease it for you know uses that are going to be detrimental to the land itself and the wildlife excuse me i mean those are BHA does a wonderful job of making sure that it's incredibly easy for those those members um, to get their voice out there. No, absolutely. You, you, you really hit the nail on the head. What, what's nice about going to those pint nights, and what, what I love about going and conversing with everyone is, is BHA has a very diverse group of members. Um, that's what I've always really enjoyed about BHA, too. Yeah, the, the, there's the vast majority of our members are 45 years of age and younger. And, and I'm happy that I barely still fit in that category, but I'm happy that I'm still there. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, you go to a BHA event, you're, you're going to meet, you know, politically different people, but at the same time, we were all, we're all aligned in the same mission. And that's why I like BHA as well. We are almost split by thirds as far as, you know, Democrat, Republican, and independent, but everyone has the same mindset of what can I do for conservation? What can I do to help, you know, sustain this for future generations, including my own, but also everyone else in this room. And so that's what I really like going to those events about, or events for, is having those conversations. And you walk away with friends. You might walk away with a new hunting buddy. Um, if anything, you might walk away with, hey, I can go up there and, and go grouse hunting with so-and-so on his, his best public spot sometime. So, I mean, those connections and that network that you gain by going to a lot of these events is, is substantial. And you can take that with you. So, yes, it's it's definitely a place you can go and talk about, you know, some of the policy efforts, um, talk about what's happening in the state, you know, and, and, and I do recommend people all as well as if, if something is not happening or if we're not doing something, you know, get a hold of us and, and say, Hey man, I would like, I'd like more information on this. What can I do to help? Or, or where's the information on this? I mean, how, how can we get this information out there to the general public and your BHA members? So I mean, hold us accountable if, if accountability is necessary there too. Uh, but sometimes it may be one of those where, hey, we need more information or we are compiling the information and then broadcast what's going on locally out there to our members at large, too. Uh, but we definitely like that open communication. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, y- yeah. You, the open communication, that's that's what people are looking for. That's what people want. They want to to know what's going on. So, yeah, that's that's very well put. Jameson, before I let you get out of here and go enjoy the day with your wife before you head out of town and all that stuff where can people uh you know learn more about bha and michigan specific specifically so, yeah, absolutely so you know bha you can follow us on instagram you can follow us on on twitter and on facebook um same with with the michigan chapter they have an active facebook page they have an active active instagram page 
you know, please get on there. Um, one thing you'll see, you know, kind of reverting back to policy efforts a little bit ago, oftentimes if something big is going on that we have to contact our state or, or and or our national legislation, we will send out like, you know, call to action alerts or take action alerts where you can sign sign that document and then that email is generated and sent to your local or your your, your particular state representative or national representative. So certainly be watching out for those. Those little bitty things like that go a long way. Um, but I'll tell you what goes even further is making that phone call. And it's not hard. It takes a second to call. You know, if you're a very, you know, if you really want to see something happening, you know, make that phone call to your state or your national uh, representative and let them know how you feel about a certain policy, um, why they should vote on it, why they shouldn't vote on it, and, and how that's going to impact not only conservation, but, you know, politicians like to see what, what's the dollar figure there. They want to see, you know, the economic impact of that, whether it's tourism dollars or, or, you know, local money or tax money, however it may be related, um, but having a little bit of data in your back pocket to throw at them can definitely uh, be substantial in that conversation too. But, you know, definitely look, that's one thing BHA is great about. If you get on our national website, bha.backcountryhunters.org, you'll see on there you can do the take actions. And there's some stuff like the Grasslands Act and the Raw Law Act going on right now that people can kind of sign on to and make sure they get that information out there. And that's one thing we're really watching close right now is Recovering America's Wildlife Act which is a, be a, a national effort for preventative maintenance to keep, you know, animals off the endangered species list. So it's a lot of great habitat work. There's going to be a lot of money passed down to every individual state within those states and then continue doing their great conservation work on the ground, which is where we need it at. So you, you can find a lot of information out on the BHA's website. And then uh, as we grow as a chapter, um, we'll certainly start getting a lot of that information out there to the general public too in our, on our social feeds. Awesome. Well, Jameson, thank you a ton, man. It's been great to talk to you. And uh, I'm sure as, as time goes on, uh, that we'll definitely be in contact and, you know, talk more more public lands, talk more uh, Michigan recreation and kind of everything involved here. Awesome, Mark. Hey, man, I certainly appreciate this. This has, been a, this has been a great chat. Yeah, absolutely, man. Best of luck out in Wyoming. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing about uh, the success. Oh, hey, man. I really hope I can show you pictures of big, giant hind quarters hanging. Yeah, I would love to see it, man. Just increase the FOMO <laughs> that I already talked about. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Jameson. All right, you too, man. Thanks. All right. All right. Well, thank you again to Jameson for uh, joining me on the podcast today. Be sure and check out your local BHA chapter and how you can get involved with them. I would also like to thank Lake State Land Company. Um, and as always, guys, uh, thank you to the listeners. Uh, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow all that good stuff uh, for the Michigan Wild Podcast. Um, so as always until next week, get outside and stay wild, everyone. <laughs>